Welcome back, and thanks for listening. It's hard to believe we are on episode 50 of the Coffee and Change podcast. So for this episode, I thought I would enter the theme of Back to the Future. Some of you may recall our first guest from January 2017, Shauna Saffel. Well, as we approached episode 50, I had a very clear picture of who I wanted to bring back on the show to talk about change that has occurred in the past four and a half years of her life, personally, professionally, and globally. So without further ado, I bring you Shauna Saffel Rasmussen. So first and foremost, welcome back to the podcast, Shauna. Episode 50. Congratulations. You've you've made it half a hundred. I know. What do, what do you typically give someone for the 50th? I forget. Like, isn't there some gift? Is it di- diamonds like or gold? Gold or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> treat treat yourself. I'll, I'll, I'll treat myself to, to something over the holiday. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're a notable guest for the reason that you were the first guest on Coffee and Change in January 2017. A lot has changed since then. Yeah, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Um, I guess what has the past four point five <laughs> years been like for you um, in the realm of change? <laughs> You're laughing. Uh, Bill is laughing because he knows me so well. Um, the twenties are your twenties are such an interesting point in your life because it is really about a time of like self indulgence and discovery. And then you hit this early thirties portion and all of a sudden life kind of just starts, you just start running. And, um, this applies to my career, to my personal life. Uh, I was promoted to manager four years ago and it's just been a whirlwind of a career journey. Um, also within four years, I bought a house, got engaged, got married, had a kid and I'm now pregnant with twins. Um, so the, the Shauna from, yeah, four years ago is not the Shauna. I mean, literally I've changed my last name. Um, and I, my value structures, while they're still the same, how I practice them and where I focus my energy and what brings me energy has shifted. And it's been a really quick evolution and it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's really interesting. Rarely do people go through so much personal, professional and global change in such a, in such a short period of time. Um, Obviously you mentioned, you know, you got married since we last chatted. So you've changed your name. You've, you've had a kid. You're about to bring in two, two more children, twins. Congratulations uh, to the world. And the world has changed tremendously. We're now in month 10 almost 11 of a pandemic. So mm-hmm. let me start off there. How are you doing as a, as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a sister, as a professional? Um, just kind of where you're at in the world right now. My husband and I were laughing because at the beginning of all of this, when you know the lockdown was coming and childcare was closing and uh, we were coming away from our offices, we kind of lied in bed and looked at the ceiling. We're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this for two weeks, you know, two to two to six weeks, but we're resilient. We'll get through it. And now we're sitting here going, you know, another six months plus. Yeah, we can, we can handle that. And it's just, it's so interesting to see how resilient we as humans are when change is forced upon us. Um, And 
it's a roller coaster of, you know, there's the change curve, right? And you have uh, the acceptance leading all the way to like kind of this optimized stage. And I think, you know, every month I kind of go through that cycle back and forth, depending on what new challenges arise. Um, we've had to shift how we've done childcare about three times. The pregnancy put things into a little bit of a loop. You know, every time we change a project at work, that has kind of had me shifting my hours and, um, you know, letting go. I'm, I'm, I'm mourning the loss of my community and my connection. I'm the, the social butterfly. I'm the gatherer. Um, and I, but I'm now in a stage where I'm okay where that is because now I'm mentally preparing myself for this next stage of, you know, maternity leave. Um, so it's, when you ask how I'm doing, it depends on the hour. It depends on the day. It depends on what happened the week before that. Depends on the weather. Depends on what I ate. Um, and I think what's been really important in this change journey of a global pandemic is having resilience and patience for yourself to allow space to feel those things, but also to not get stuck in any gullies and also not rely too heavily on any peaks. Yeah. And, and I'm curious from the standpoint of the work that you and I, again, have the, have the, the privilege and honor of doing, right? We, we get to usher people through change journeys all the time. Obviously change in itself as a practice, as a methodology, as we know, it has, has matured and modified quite a bit this past year. So I'd love, I'd love for you to maybe elaborate on that. And then even thinking about, you know, sort of this back to the future theme that I'm thinking about, right. We're, we're having you back on the, back on the podcast and you think about how change itself has changed in that time and the art and science of what we do. If you can elaborate on that a little bit, I would, I would love to hear that. Uh, listening back to the the old podcast, I still feel like while change management was nothing new, it was still an emerging um, offering in the sense of where it was valued, um, you know, employee engagement, uh, uh, user adoption, uh, attracting and retaining talent, you know, the war on talent really spiked in the last four years. And then it, um, so we spent a lot of our time trying to prove our value and prove to people why it was important. And now we're doing less of why it's important and more how to do it, which is another shift, right? People have, um, they understand the value, but now they don't know how to do the steps. And so our work now has kind of changed as well as our messaging because this war on talent has now shifted into the mental health and productivity of your employee um, base. How are you leveraging the tools, resources, space to help people transition in a different and new way? So we we made all this great progress, and you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be change management if there weren't constant challenges. And I think it's been really neat to see our clients, our peers, talk to us and go, "I know this is important." but I don't know how to do this. And then having to educate them through that process while we're continuing to get layers of challenges of new resistance and obstacles um, due to this, this global global world we're living in. Yeah, I mean, there was a word that you, would, that you kind of uh, put out there, patience. And I think that's something that we all have our, our own different definitions for. So, so I'd love to have you elaborate on that. What that what that feels like for those that you support, both in your family as well as in your work. Um, and what has that taught you? Patience. And I think 
in order to fully embrace patience, it takes experience and maturity and some failures and lessons learned. Patience, as I'm helping a toddler during a meltdown, um, as I'm waiting for two girls to arrive, um, as I'm watching our clients try to drive change so quickly and thinking you can throw some money and resources at it and it's not going to get there. The patience is about realizing and letting go of control to a certain level and putting the right structures and foundations in place so that when you get to those peak moments of, you know, stress or expectations, right? The what is it? The um, space between reality and expectations is where disappointment lays, like really turning that down a little bit and knowing that you're going to get there, whatever that obstacle is, whether it is Jace wanting his snack when he wants it, or whether it's when your twins are going to arrive or when your go live is going to happen. And when you expect your users to be working in an optimized environment, because you spent all this money on technology and, and process changes, but the waiting in the right way with the right resources will result in the outcomes that you've been hoping for. And you can't, you can't force those things. Yeah. I, it almost makes me wonder if, you know, the, the concept that we discuss around letting go, I wonder if that's like a new muscle for people mm -hmm. Whereas before it seemed like it was just a release. It's less about a release. It's, it's more like an entirely different use of a muscle. It's intentional. It's intentional. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You it's know, intentional, but it's, it becomes a muscle memory, right? It's not, it, it's, so I, maybe it's not intentional. It's more of an intention. And mm -hmm. once it's set, then your, you, your brain, your body, your reactions, your emotions, your flight or flight, that whole, the whole spectrum that makes us human reacts differently because of what you decided and then practiced uh, becomes your, the reality. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of that time when we first, first spoke on the podcast, you had just set a whole bunch of intentions for the new year. I believe <laughs> yeah. you've written a blog around 2017 and the intentions and kind of that, you know, what, what we set our new year's resolutions, mm -hmm. essentially intentions for what would today, Shauna say to that Shauna, based on what, you know, what you've learned, what you've released. It's so hard, Bill, because if I shifted anything about who I was and what my intentions were, then I wouldn't be who I am now. And I wouldn't have gone through the pain and, and triumphs that I, I have experienced. Um, that being said, you're right. I wrote that blog that talked about applying change management principles to your own goals and intentions for your new, your new year's resolutions. I th think I go back to Shauna and and younger Shauna Saffel and and tell her you know it's all going to come to you in time and that putting the energy or stress anger frustration in the places where you can't control things is not a valuable use of your time instead of focus on what is giving you energy and is making you feel valued and making you excited and be in those moments, that's going to um, give you a more present, uh, you're going to be more present in your own life experience. Yeah. And there's, there's some areas that I think I would love to just hit on 
you know, your strengths. Obviously, I have the opportunity and privilege to, to know you work very closely with you. Um, it is notable that you've won two Sequoia Awards at our firm, which is uh, the highest esteemed award in our firm, which is all about um, when your peers and those around you see you as growing the next generation of leaders and the work that you invest in that next generation. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about um, what those awards mean to you. You received them two years in a row, um, which is very, very notable and accomplishing. Um, what, did that, what did that mean to you? I mentor and coach in a way that is very vulnerability-based. I, If there's one thing I learned quickly, it was bringing my authentic self to my coaching relationships. Um, I'm glad I'm learning it that there's now a larger space for that authentic self. But that vulnerability that I was, you know, that's a risk, right, to put yourself fully out there to share all the dirty bits and and do it in a way that I was hoping I was letting others know that it was okay to be imperfect, that it was okay to have big emotions, that it was okay to be confused or lost. It was okay to celebrate and be proud of yourself. And so when I received those, um, the, those awards, it was because of my transparency in my mentorship relationships that I was authentically bringing my full self to those, those relationships so that those individuals were able to bring then their whole selves to work, to their life. They, they knew how that they could show up because they had someone setting a little bit of an example. And so it really just confirmed for me that my authentic self is valuable and that there is the, the way I've been approaching this type of coaching and leadership is actually something that is desired, uh, which is really hard when that is not traditionally the example that was set for you. And so doing something based on the way that you feel is right, your intuition um, versus the the demonstration lead of, of what led you to success to that date um, is a really interesting balance. And so being recognized for that shift in, how, uh, in a choice that I made gave me the freedom and the strength to continue doing that on a larger scale in other aspects of my life. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you bring up a really good point there. When you don't have necessarily that behavior modeled for you, it can be, it can be a bit of a risk, right? It can be mm -hmm. a little bit uncomfortable to say, I'm going to try this because it is my, my authentic leadership style that I'm going to show up with at the risk of it not landing or at the risk of it not being rewarded or recognized. In your case, it was it was uh, not only rewarded and regarded, but recognized. So congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Thank you. The other thing I want to um, briefly note is in looking back at the past four, four and a half years of your career in change management, um, you've supported upwards of $10 million worth of work in change. Um, <laughs> did you do that math? <laughs> I did, yes. You've also uh, won upwards of $3 million worth of work in change management. So I put those numbers out there for the reason that those are numbers that are very impressive um, over the course of four, four and a half years. But it's also to your point around intention. So, you know, not necessarily asking where every dollar went, but I would love for you to reflect on those numbers as that's not insignificant. And it, it speaks a lot to your core strengths, but also your uh, your ability to see the opportunities and help people um, with solutions and, and obviously, you know, opportunities. 
it's overwhelming when you say that that number because of what it also then flashes me back to is the amount of work I've done, like actual the hands to keyboard, the hours, the meetings, the flights, the people, the wonderful, wonderful people that I've met and engaged and worked with um, both internally at our company and then also on the client site. Uh, and it's just, it's kind of weird because it does that, like that life flashing before your eyes and just thinking of the weird offices I've sat in and just some really wonderful opportunities. I, I don't sell. Um, I'm not a traditional salesperson. Those numbers come from me entering a circumstance assessing and truly trying to understand the culture, the drivers, the motivators, the challenges, the pain points, the history, the dreams, the goals, um, how people are being recognized and rewarded, the, the style of leadership and the shifts that are happening there. And just by looking at all of those pieces and asking a lot of questions and learning to listen, which is so funny, Bill, that when I started in this career path, I was told that I, I talked too much and I didn't listen enough, but my career has been based on listening. And so I'm so glad that I've found strength in that um, opening space for others to share, because that's what has given me the, the list of the things that needs to get done. And not only that, change management, there's a methodology and there's the, there's the right way to do things. I am not one to say you have to do it all. I'm not one to say this is the methodology you need to follow it. I know there's only so much time, resource, and capacity for change. So what are the top three things that we can do and we can do quickly with the right resources in place to at least make the pain of a transitional time short, less, and we can start working in a more effective manner. And what I've learned is People just want to be brought along with the journey. They don't want something happening to them. And so even creating the space to be interviewed, to attend a change network meeting, to see something before it's launched, to get information quickly and have timelines available to them, save the dates for training ahead of time. All of those recommendations, they built trust with folks really quickly because I wasn't selling it. I was listening and I, I was giving the, the examples of what their people needed in order to be successful and bringing those to the table resulted in extensions and you know robust training plans and training delivery and communication programs. And that then, after having the muscle memory of knowing how to do this and having a few scars from making mistakes or learning what worked and what didn't, we're now in a place where I get to be creative with our offerings and that is a lot of fun that it isn't about just proving why this is important. It's taking what we're hearing, taking the lessons learned from previous clients' experiences, and then having some fun with it so that we can get to a, a state of optimization more quickly. Yeah, I, I so appreciate <clears throat> the, the aspect that you're sharing that behind every one of those, you know, numbers, right? There's, there's smiles and miles. Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of time was spent on airplanes and there was a lot of time spent with people mm -hmm. and and really the goal was always to get a smile you know no matter the change no matter how big and and significant it was if if we could make somebody experience that neurochemical reaction of what it's like to smile and know you're going to be okay in something then 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 you're winning and it's to your point it's not about selling it's about mm -hmm. helping people um 
It's it's about building relationship to help people through a challenge or a problem. Um, and I really appreciate that perspective. One of the one of the last um, big big uh, sort of tours that you got to do, multiple city tours <laughs> that you got to do right before the pandemic set in, yeah. um, involved you going to multiple cities, teaching, training people in person, um, and that's obviously so different now. So. To juxtapose the two, I would love for you to talk a little bit briefly about what that experience was like, you know, jumping on planes, going between cities, literally within hours of each other, um, that experience of training people live. And then on the flip side, if you could talk a little bit about what it's been like this year, um, doing that same level of service, but not getting on a plane, not being in, in the room with people, um, how has it been better, uh, harder, or neutral? So that training experience that you're referring to, yeah, I think it was nine different cities, yeah, within two weeks. And so there was somewhere I was landing in the morning, running a half day training and hopping on a plane and moving to another city. What was really important about that experience was seeing that you can have a well-established company and the individual leadership styles and cultures of an office affect the effectiveness of training delivery. Uh, I walked into rooms that were beautiful and set up with the screens and, you know, but, you know, the, the leaders were hesitant and they didn't trust the system we were building. And therefore we spent a lot of that training, to try to prove the value of the system versus, you know, some rooms I walked into, we were tripping over cords, but the, the person that was the change champion there was busting their energy, just trying to make sure that this was an enjoyable training experience for people and that people were really involved. And, you know, the, the president of that office came in earlier and said, this is really important and we appreciate everybody. And it was just so fascinating to watch how within one organization, how much a leadership style, a effective super user can make or break a change management experience for their peers. And so while I think there's, it's always good to have a healthy level of cynicism when it comes to change management, because that's where we come up with good ideas if people are poking holes in things. It's even more important to have enthusiastic, engaged leadership that is recognizing, rewarding, celebrating, and being present and engaged with the change management experience. So culture shock across the, the country, it still has confirmed that Seattle and the Pacific Northwest is the best place for me, which is good. Um, but it just, I took a lot of lessons learned there on if I'm, when I do this again, when I probably wouldn't do that many, that many trainings for that many people in that few a days, um, or I would bring on some help, but learning the nuanced cultural differences of each office is important. You can't just do a paintbrush of change management across a nation. There's, there's too many nuances. And I know we've been watching that throughout this year. And I say yeah. watching it because we, it's been harder to physically experience it because it's been through our computers and our phones to realize that there isn't a one fit solution for any sort of large trans transformation. Yeah. And then I think on the, uh, you know, the, the aspect of doing it through, you know, the medium which we're connecting now or through our phones, Zoom, Teams, things like this. What do you find is the hardest part about that? I mean, my experience has been that, you know, it's an 80, 90 percent solution, right? We can mm -hmm. we can get there, right? There's some tools we've used, um, some sort of infinite canvas tools and, and whiteboarding tools. But what are, what are the pieces for you that you miss? Um, 
in this in this way of working? And then also, I'd love to hear from you. What are the what are the gifts in this way of working? Yeah, I, Bill, you we we always tried to steer away from virtual trainings um, because we thought that in person trainings were more effective. I still stand by those recommendations before COVID. I I think we as a we we seek as humans, we seek personal connections and we want to see someone and see that they care and feel like things are customized to us. Like we want to be individuals. And I think it's really interesting that COVID forced a shift in a way of working. But what was good about it is it did it to everyone. So it wasn't like, oh, my company has decided to go more virtual and that's painful for me. I'm going to go somewhere else where I, I feel I'm getting more of a, you know, white glove touch. Um, everyone had to go through this transition together. Therefore, everybody had to adapt together. And therefore, so did our recommendations. And virtual training and virtual communication channels, like we can't put up posters anymore, do printout placemats and fun mouse pads and big meetings where we're celebrating together. We've, We've had to shift, but everyone has had to shift. And there's some comfort in knowing that that was a a national change in how we go about working with each other. And so there has been lifts to this because everyone had already gone through that painful transition quickly together. Um, It gave us more windows to start trying some of the things that were recommended or being stood up in a way that are, that's effective. Um, We are still figuring out ways to keep people engaged. Zoom fatigue is real. Um, I, I, we all get tired of staring at our own face and you miss the <laughs> the nuances of interrupting each other in person. I, mi- I miss people. I miss, there's, there's something completely different about sitting in a room with someone versus, you know, doing the screen to screen chat. Um, but it has allowed us to get creative and I'm looking forward to seeing how this changes the consultant consulting and business industries because we now realize we can do things without, you know, the the impacts from flights on the people and the environment, the the money spent on on hotels and and food and getting people and then taking people away from their families and um, I'm I'm really curious to see where that's going and I know I'm kind of helping West uh, West Monroe with our own figuring out what this hybrid model looks like in the future. Um, what I'm enjoying about this, I'm getting to see my son grow up. Uh, that is a treat and we will forever relish this time. Um, he's young enough that he's, you know, I don't think he's being too impacted by this weird shift. Anytime we go somewhere in like public, like we went to a doctor's visit for him, just like the flabbergastion of just like seeing other humans interacting was adorable. Um, he has his little pod, but he watching him grow has been a treat, uh, to be home, to put dinner on the table, to, have to get creative in ways that I connect with the folks I miss dearly, but it's also opened up channels to people that I hadn't been talking to that regularly. And now I get to see their face on a regular basis. Uh, it's been really neat to get creative in, in how we've, we build our connections. And I look forward to continuing to leverage that going forward. And I think, you know, I heard the analogy of like, we're in a cocoon period right now. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the butterfly looks like at the end of this. I'm hoping we don't come back out the same caterpillar because there's there's no reason to. It, you're right. It wasn't broke, so we didn't need to fix it, but it got broken. So do we want to 
make it better or do we want to go back to the way things were? Yeah, it's a great analogy. Um, it makes me excited too, you know, thinking about the the chrysalis, right? It kind of feels like we're in that chrysalis stage. Mm -hmm. of, there's a tremendous amount of self-nourishment, right? That the that the happens in the cocoon and it is isolated and it's protected, um, but it's all for a better far-reaching future. Um, and it takes us back to patience, Bill, right? You yeah, can't you can't, you can't expedite that, that transition. Process. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, otherwise you won't, Otherwise, it, it will be all for naught. Correct. Yeah. So thinking about that aspect of the the butterfly, if, which I love that analogy, what does the butterfly of change management look like in the future to you? <laughs> oh, man. I, obviously, the value and the need for change management doesn't go away because that evolution is going to continue to take constant change when um, people are going back into the office, you're going to be dealing with a large arching group of folks of what they want versus what they experienced. And employers are either going to need to figure that out or they're going to start losing people because people will go elsewhere because some organizations are going to figure out how to do better flex models and leverage these amazing technologies that we've all invested money in um, while still though finding those opportunities to get people together because it invigorates happiness and culture. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting balance. And so I think where change management is going to play into that is it's almost like the, ch the change management of change management again, right? Because it's not only what we're delivering on, but how we're managing the change that people are experiencing as we're working on these projects. Uh, we had to do it at the beginning of the pandemic, right? The Everybody all of a sudden is remote and we're trying to pull people together in a new way. We had to manage that change on top of the, the delivery of the new technology that we were you know, bringing to, to users. And so I think it's gonna become more layered. And when we do come in and give recommendations that we know what's going on, but that needs to become a kind of a piece of our assessments is not just what does this change mean, you know, this this new system, what does this mean for your users? What else is going on with how you guys are all working together? What are the new norms? How What is your leadership doing? And it becomes another level of nuance in our assessments so that we're putting together recommendations that are taking the whole picture into consideration and not just one piece. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, I think there was a blog I wrote uh, uh, maybe last year or the year, year before. I think I think we we called them the margins of change or the marginalia of change. And and the analogy I always used to get was like, you know, when you read a really good book, you take notes in the margins. You like write like That's something will come to you and contextually mm -hmm. or nuance, you'll write it in the margins because that, that plus the textbook, uh, you know, justified text makes for the, the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of that. I think, you know, people revisiting the marginalia of change, as you said, what's going on in their lives? Who is their leader? What's the culture? What's the subtext, if you will? That's, How are people uh, motivated? Yeah, that's layered in here because those are things that I think personally are no longer able to be ignored. I'm just, that's just my hypothesis. Well, when you were asking, you know, what's another, like the big shifts in the four years, um, mental health of employees was never talked about four years ago. We weren't talking about meditation and yoga and that like it, employee happiness is now a 
big piece. We are constantly sending out surveys and measuring satisfaction and leaders are trying to figure out what they need to be doing differently and what needs to shift. And like that didn't exist. It existed in the pockets and the individualism, but not at this collective view of like, what is, you know, a flexible work-life balance, work satisfaction, um, burnout. I mean, burnout was not a word that was being used four years ago to the scale that it is now. And so I, there's been this great shift into thinking about the well-being of individuals and how that plays into their value as a resource at an organization. And because, you know, higher productivity actually comes from happier employees, um, better cohesion and creativity and getting to, I keep mentioning like that optimized state. You can't, if you're hungry, you can't, you can't perform at your highest level. And so same thing, if you are not mentally feeling your best, you're not going to bring your best work self. Uh, and it's a lot harder to drive adoption in, in that kind of, that kind of space. Yeah. That, um, that brings me to, uh, I guess, one of my last questions for you, which is one I always love to ask guests. And I think you may recall this, how I asked you this four and a half years ago, the first time I asked it, um, and it's become a popular um, question. How do you stay healthy and change? And I know that's probably a very different answer as you're carrying twins right now, but <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you uh, give a couple different answers. <laughs> I stay healthy in change by taking time alone, which is now a far more rare occurrence. I, you know, you're, you're, you're experiencing it. You, you live with your partner and they have become your coworker, your best friend, your roommate, your business partner, your arch nemesis. Um, and then you put a child on top of that. And we've got a couple pets, like alone time does not exist in this house. Cause even when I do close the door, I can hear it. And you know, um, the toys and the mess just kind of, they exist everywhere. And, and now that I don't have my normal channels of escape of going to a bar with friends or going to a cabin in the woods, I've had to figure out how to maximize small windows to give me the, the kind of, you know, fill my, my tank or my Sims meter up a little bit so that I can continue to be effective and be healthy and be happy. And, you know, that, that changes what that means or what that looks like. It might be a masked walk with a friend. It might be a masked walk by myself. It might be me, you know, choosing to watch a movie by myself. Um, I don't think I'm at the stage of my life right now where creative outlets are an option just given the time. So yes, I do it through cooking or whatnot, but taking that time sometimes means I'm taking it away from my family and those, we need those moments to fill up our tank right now so that we're not just existing together, but we're thriving together as well. And so back to, you know, that big shift in your early thirties, my priorities have just shifted a little bit that the self-care I need for change is not as high as a priority because a harmonious living environment is, has far bigger benefits to me than me just being okay. Yeah, I really, I really like what you said because it reminds me in the power of not only patience, but also giving yourself permission. I think mm -hmm. there's a, there's an aspect of what you said, you know, to tell, to tell the story that is people are in a place where um, we, 
we are surviving, right? We are surviving mm-hmm. a pandemic. And I think people need to remember that it's okay to want to thrive, like to move from survival to, to you know, thriving. And, and that usually starts with giving yourself permission, permission to feel the way you feel, to know when you need to replenish your Sims meter. I love that analogy. <laughs> um, to go for a walk by yourself, to listen to a podcast, you know, and get lost. Go on a, a drive. Like we lost our commutes, right? Mm -hmm. And we hated our commutes, but I now miss that because that was 30 to 40 minutes that I had by myself alone with my thoughts and my music choice. And that was pretty special. Yeah. And I know that um, we recently shared our Spotify analytics with each other. (laughs) And I I have to allow you to share what your top five were with with all the listeners because I fell off my chair when I saw that laughing. My top five songs of 2020 were a collection of Dump Truck by 20 Trucks, Garbage Truck by 20 Trucks, The Man by Taylor Swift, Excavator by 20 Trucks, and then I believe it was Police Vehicles by 20 Trucks. 20 Trucks is a collection of kid songs that are about many, many different vehicles, and you it's important to know there's way more than 20 trucks. Um we discovered that album in October. So the fact that it made my top, top five songs of 2020 in a two month period just lets you know how much I listen to truck songs nowadays. And of course, I love I just have my one little like Taylor Swift hit T-Swift in there. Has to be in there. But it just is a perfect. My life has changed, and if if we have us, we have one Siri, right? So what are we going to listen to? And we're gonna we're gonna listen to Twenty Trucks because it's it's while it's still about me, it's about all of us. And you know, Jace loves the words, and he dances, and then that's funny and amusing, and it's worth it. So it's uh, it's <laughs> I'm so it's glad a great example of it's too. a great example of patience and harmony, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, whether it's um, Baby Shark or... And Baby Shark was a big one uh, of Um, 2019. There's a a level of that. um, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to allow for the harmonious moments for the family because it's going to, it's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you dance. And those are, those things are just as important to replenish you. And Bill, going through the newborn stage and, you know, my first pregnancy, I now get, and you don't get it till you go through it, nothing lasts forever. It, tra- time will move o- forward. Grief heals. Um, happiness goes away. Like, it, nothing is permanent. And I get that now. And so I think that also provides a little bit of resilience through this weird time because I know this is going to end. This is a rough holiday season for all of us. It's just going to be this season. Like it's one year and it has made me realize I'm so grateful for the trips that I did take and the times I did get together with people and like living in those moments, but also knowing that this is all temporary and having the comfort sitting in that space knowing that I am going to get back to where I'm the priority it's just not right now. And I'm, I'm okay with that. This was a choice I made. And there's a lot of joy in those moments moving forward. Yeah, it's great. It's a great lesson. And, and, and I do think it's important for people to hear, you know, that are listening. Mm-hmm. This is not forever. No. Um, and at the same time, we've learned 
that there are moments of stillness and moments of quiet and moments of um, you know solitude that we've we've encountered and we've walked with in a way that nobody has before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of wonder to that. We're still exploring that. Uh, it, it will come to an end. Things will, you know. I think the term I sometimes use is not not the I call it the new next because because what is normal anymore? And even when normal was something we referred to a lot, I don't think it was actually that nope. accurate. I agree. Um, we will get to that new next. I do agree with you that it reminds us how precious time is. Mm-hmm. And the time, be it with a parent or the time, be it with a child, is I know for sure, and I, I, I believe you, you know, accompanying me in this thought, when we do come out of this, I don't think we're going to take those moments for granted. No. I really don't. Someone used the analogy of where do you think the Roaring Twenties came from? It was after a war. It yeah, was like, and after the Spanish flu. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so we have another Roaring Twenties coming. And how exciting is that to know that we've right. got this time of celebration and excess and gathering and big, but we'll be doing it in a different and hopefully better world because of what we've learned through this painful couple years. Yeah. And so, um, and then that, something's going to change again. There's always going to be a new next. I really like, I really like that description. Yeah. I know. I appreciate that. That, that last, that last bit of sentiment around, you know, time It's a construct, Mm -hmm. right? It's a construct and we're in this agreement reality and we've got to abide by it, but there's nothing saying that we can't in our own way, negotiate how much we appreciate it. Exactly. Is it, is it time to turn the tables? I think it's time to turn the table. I've run out of my questions. <laughs> Good. Now I, I get to turn the, turn the control over to you. Well, I, I love when I was listening to this and I, I put off listening to our first episode just because I was like, oh, am I, I going to sound silly and stupid? And I was just like, no, actually, this was this was a good chat. But then I realized as I've been listening to your podcast over the last four years, like I really wanted to turn the tables and ask you a couple questions because to, to record 50 episodes is no small feat. So well, once again, congratulations. And Thank then to you. do it over that, that period of time. And, and I, I just want to ask you some change management questions kind of around your experience with uh, becoming a podcast star now available on Spotify. Um, kind of when you look at this journey and you yeah. look at, you know, there's uh, the change curve and there's that point where a change is introduced, which is when you made the decision to do this podcast and there's always a learning curve. Where and when do you think was the pivot point that you came out of the learning curve and you really started to, you know, perform in the way that you kind of envisioned where this was going? It is a, it is a great question and one I've probably had um, baking in the oven for about four years. So I appreciate <laughs> uh, you being the one to say, let's take it out of the oven. Let's, let's give it a taste. Let's, <laughs> let's talk to you. Yeah. Um, so there's a word you used in there, envision, and I'll start with that because, you know, a good portion of that word is vision. And I think that was and continues to be a big component of what this podcast is. And I'm reminded that vision, when you set it, is always something you should, frankly, never achieve. Right? There's, you're, you're, it's, nothing, it's something you're never going to fully grasp. It's always just outside of your reach. And so the vision I had for the podcast when it began was very different than what it has become, as you've probably could mm-hmm. listen to and other other listeners. And I continue to get interesting feedback for people 
that listen to the old ones and and they they too can tell when there was a pivot. So so to answer your question, I think in the beginning the vision was a little more narrow. What I what I envisioned at the time was the ability to sit down with another individual and have a conversation about change uh, in their life or in their work or in the world. For the most part, that stayed the same, right? Those are kind of the core ingredients to this uh, to this cake, if you will, multi-layered cake. However, in the beginning, I thought it was going to be an augment to the work that you and I do. I thought it was going to be this opportunity to record some compelling conversations that I could package, give over to a marketing team, and it could contribute to our thought leadership and or our sales. And therefore also our like career equity at the firm and, and right. yeah, so very right. internal. Yeah, very internal. Um, and, and that started off down that path of just capturing people's stories. And I sat down and I thought, okay, well, how do I find people in the industries that we support? So I was very intentional about reaching out to people in energy and utilities, financial services, healthcare, so forth and so on. And at some point, what was really interesting was our firm and the marketing team essentially came to me and said, hey, we're, we're trying to figure out a different strategy that we're taking as a firm. Um, and they kind of self-confessed, we don't really know what to do with this content. <laughs> and it was actually one of the most humbling and empowering conversations I've ever had. Because look, there's, there's no amount of this work when people create and you put your heart and soul into it. And I've definitely put my heart and soul into this. Absolutely. There's that comes with a bit of ego. It mm -hmm. just happens. And there was that moment that I fought, which was, well, what do I do with this if it's not valued by those that I thought I originally was creating value for? Correct. Your audience. And my audience. And on the other side of that, this is a moment of grief, right? You, you, you have that moment of grief and you, and you let that perish. And then something grows from that. Mm -hmm. And what was really powerful for me was in that moment that I buried something, something else came to life. And what came to life for me was an infinite canvas. And I said, what would this podcast look like, sound like, feel like, and live like if I really took time to ask myself, whose stories do I want to capture? And who do I want to illuminate in those stories? And frankly, in the, in the echoing of, of those stories, who do I want to hear it, be a part of it, and support it? in order to reach their true potential. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, it took on a whole new life. And now where I'm at is this beautiful canvas, if you will, that I get to mix storylines of people from all walks of life. And there was some aspect, what was really interesting, Shauna, was when I let it go, when I let the control go, and I put it out in the universe, the universe had a way of bringing stories to me and bringing guests to me. So this whole sense of like, where before I had to come up with content and curate people and ask their permission, and, yeah. yeah, it just felt so rigid and it, you know, yes, there were content calendars and there was approvals and things like that. It has since morphed into this wonderful 
generous gift of me getting to almost take walks with people and their stories mm -hmm. and then echo that on a platform so that others might hear it. And my only hope is that when others hear it, they feel less lonely in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's where this thing has kind of been reborn. Um, continues to grow. I definitely feel like it kind of went through some terrible twos. <laughs> um, Which and as now we were talking about, like, you have to go through that to get right. to where you, you want to go with something. Right. And so similar to probably, you know, the analogy of, of your own son, right? He's getting to that age where you're like, I love seeing the wonder. I love seeing the things he's saying. I love the way he's interacting with the world. This podcast is four and a half years old. And the things I've learned in this time have been amazing. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It continues to be a, a wonderful gift in me. Um, and there's a side of creativity in me that was always there that I don't think I allowed myself to show up with. This has given me the opportunity and outlet for that. Well, and selfishly to watch your own career journey using even just this podcast as an example, you're giving me the freedom to do it earlier in my career instead of like, I, I'm, I'm watching you and I'm learning from you of that you, you're doing it for your company for your others for the recognition. And when you pivot that to more just I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm opening up the space for it, I'm actually doing it now for you know, my guests, that that's a more enjoyable journey. And actually, it drives more value. I think, even thinking to our clients, sometimes they they forget why they're implementing something and you're doing it for the people, right. like to, to, to help them work better or differently. And, and it sometimes we lose that message. And I'm glad that one, you've you discover that in your own podcast journey and selfishly that I got to watch it so that I apply my own what I'm doing in my own life to more about, well, what 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 are my freedoms and my canvas versus what are my constraints and guidelines? Yeah, and I think you know I, I I will say I am much more in touch with the fact that inside every human being is a pilot light of creativity, mm -hmm. um, and that pilot light never goes out. Sometimes we forget we have it. Sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to let it spark something in us. And sometimes we fear it will spark something in us that will create a roaring fire that, that is out of control. <laughs> been there. Um, yeah, right? All, all of us have been there. And those are all beautiful pathways, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it started with sort of that inhale and that exhale, and I guess I'm gonna do this, right? Yeah. And you just put it out there and you let it go. Um, and you see what happens and it continues to evolve and it continues to remind me the energy and restoration that we get in, in creating something. Well, I think you, I mean, you ended up answering kind of my next question, which is, you know, cause we, when we, we talk about that vision and value and the value is then the metrics, right? Which could be something <laughs> as simple as how many people are listening and how many episodes right. have I done? But given that you've now shifted the way you look at the vision, I'm sure that's influenced the, how you look at the value of what you're providing. So what is the, the new value yeah. for Bill of, of doing this and spending so much time and energy into yeah. growing this? It's a great question. And, and, and I think it's one that needs to be asked because in this world of podcasting, 
it, it's a busy space, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very burgeoning ecosystem and you can, and I kind of did early on get a little kind of snared in the, in the analytics, right? The metrics, how do you measure value in something when you put it out in the world and you don't mm -hmm. really know who's listening to it or what value it is. And so I think similarly to the, the evolution of the experience that I had, I kind of shifted away from even looking at the metrics and the value because I, I mean, I can tell you there's numbers I could look at on the Apple platform, oh, yeah. on the Spotify platform. They're there. The right? data is there. I don't really get much from it. Um, I think probably the most important thing that I found interesting is more about where are people listening from? And what I mean by that is there's some dashboards that you can show that I didn't know I've got fans in Indonesia, right? I didn't know that I've got people listening in Canada or Malaysia or South America. So, so when you think about kind of where in the world your voice and your guests voice end up and mm -hmm. what, what ears they end up in, you kind of get excited knowing that somebody in Chile might be listening to a conversation between you and Shauna Saffel four and a half years ago, now Shauna <laughs> Rasmussen in 2020, and maybe even listening to both of them, right? Back to back and saying, wow, as I go on this hike in the Andes, I'm gonna listen to somebody's change journey as I'm taking my own change journey in, in, a, in a natural setting. Like those are the things, the kind of, I don't know, landscapes that I paint in my head when I think about the value. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much about numbers. It's not so much about listens or subscriptions or any of those things, which, which is interesting because I've had mentors and, and guides and advisors come to me and say, hey, what you're doing here is really special and really unique for a number of reasons. One is you're a deep listener. Mm -hmm. And in the world that we're in today, that's a rare gift. Correct. Number two, it seems so um, raw and unproduced, and that sounds different in the world. Mm -hmm. And number three is it's not saturated with ads. So yes. I say that for the reason that that's all true. I don't do ads. I also do all of my own editing, all of my own producing, and all of my own posting. And I've had people say to me, that's a lot of time, Bill. Like You could outsource that. You could give it to this person and gain that time back. And I've reflected on that a lot, Shauna. And one thing I've learned is I get energy from that. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to outsource the, the shaping of it. I don't mm -hmm. want to outsource the editing of it. It's a little bit like photography for me as well. You know, you go out and you take all these amazing pictures. And for me, I loved looking at every single picture and finding that perfect picture. Like that's the part that gave me just as much joy as the, what got framed in the end. So, there are conversations that I have with people around value a lot and time is a metric. People say, look, you're a busy man. Yes, that's true. We're both yeah. busy, right? We're both successful in our careers, but I'm also at a place right now where the value I get from the editing, the producing, the shaping, the, the lead in, and then the release and the, and the posting is too valuable for me to, to give up right now. That's just where I'm at in my journey. That might change, but um, this is that pure, bliss part of it um, that I don't want to let go yet. I, I completely relate with that because cooking is my one creative outlet. And yes, I very easily could buy the shortcuts or the pre-made meals. Um, 
but I find joy. I started gardening this year. I want, I wanted to take it so far. I wanted to grow it, then chop it, then stir it, then eat it. And so I get that where I think yeah. a lot of people will sometimes look at me like that seems like a lot of time. Um, but yeah, that there's joy in that time for me. So I get that. Yeah. yeah. And one last question. If you could yeah. have anyone on this podcast. Oh God, I knew you were going to ask this one. <laughs> who would it be? <laughs> okay. So this is a question that I have a sub response to. Okay. Um, is this a question about anyone living or past or anyone just living? I'm going to go living. Okay. And it has to be one person. W one person. I'm going to go with Krista Tippett, who is the host and um, founder, if you will, of my favorite podcast called On Being. Okay. Um, it used to be called many years ago, Speaking of Faith. Um, and she, I believe, has one of the most resounding and comforting interview styles and holds her guests in, to me, the highest, most unconditional regard. And every time I listen to one of those podcasts, I am reminded of that original dream that I had of starting mm -hmm. what I've started here. And I, I joke because there's a number of people who know my appreciation for that, that work that she has created. Um, and if they listen really closely, they can tell when I'm modeling and mimicking. And again, we have to remember <laughs> that mimicry is the best <laughs> yeah. form of flattery. So yeah, I would I would love to have uh, Krista Tippett followed by a close Brene Brown, who, by the I way, congratulations, Brene. She got the top podcast of 2020 well on all platforms. And well, well needed across timing wise. World. So perfect. Yeah, I mean. I remember you and I and the team that we're on had just finished, you know, reading, doing a reading group of uh, Brene Brown's yeah. uh, Daring Greatly. Yeah. And I remember us talking about the podcast that was coming out for Unlocking Us. Um, it has been a warm companion to me uh, across this year. So so definitely I would say um, Brene as well. I just think she'd be harder to book these days. <laughs> <laughs> but a man can dream. Yeah, there we go. I love it. I love it. Thank you. This this is wonderful. Turning the tables a little bit. I hope yeah, I, I, I appreciate on it. the questions because it it has it's been something I haven't been able to to put to words. Uh, mm -hmm. It's all been kicking around in my head. So I appreciate the opportunity to let me put the words out there. Perfect. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share a new a new Shauna after four years yeah. of growth, and I'm looking forward to once again congratulations on the first, the fiftieth, and I can't wait to be on the hundredth. So. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's hard to believe um, in a pandemic. I did close to 30 of these, but um, it's great. It's really and, and I'm so glad that we were able to do the 50th because I knew there was nobody else I was going to have on the 50th. <laughs> like, <laughs> Thanks, I've been gunning for that for a while. So I love it. Thanks for the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. So there you have it. Episode 50 of Coffee and Change is in the books. Thanks again to Shauna for rounding out what has proven to be one of the most challenging and historic years of change for many of us around the world. As we prepare for the holiday season, I want to wish you and yours much safety, serenity, stillness, and wellness. As for me, I'll be taking some much-needed time off in December for reflection and rejuvenation. And I look forward to returning in 2021 with some newly inspired content, music, 
and an exciting lineup of great guests with even more captivating stories and change. Thanks for listening. Talk to you in 2021.